Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here back again. You might have noticed that I've uh, changed a little bit. Krista gave me a COVID haircut, and uh, I think she did a pretty good job. So, yeah, uh, it's not horrible. Yeah, it's not horrible, which is the exact phrase I used when I saw it the first time. It's, it's not, not horrible. horrible. So we're getting through this season, and I hope that you are as well. And what we've been looking at here together is how to actually get through this season by really focusing in on who are we becoming in this season? Because we're all becoming someone, right? So we've been just really exploring that question of who are we becoming, especially from the perspective of who are we because of what God has done. That's been our perspective throughout the series. And so what we've learned is a few things. We began with Romans 8 in the beginning. Uh, in the very first week, we saw how we are people who are freed from condemnation if we belong to Jesus. Then we saw how we are filled with the Spirit so that we can actually live free from the control of sin. Then we saw how we are people who the Father welcomes so that we are His children. And then last week what we took a look at was some difficult stuff, right? We took a look at who are we in difficulty? Who are we even in suffering? And what we learned together is that we are called to be people of hope because of what it is that God does for us. So this is where we've been. And today we want to wrap up this series taking a look at the end of Romans 8. And the end of Romans 8 it is quite possibly some of the most beautiful pieces of scripture that have ever been wrote. For me, Romans 8, the Sermon on the Mount, the Christ hymn in Philippians, and along with the hymn in Colossians, these are some of the just, oh, these are some of the scriptures that have formed me the most. And so I'm excited to be able to explore that with you. Uh, but before we do, I want to make just a few comments on where we're going next week. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series. I don't know what it's called yet. We haven't got that far. Uh, but what we do know is that it's going to be about the church. I want to talk about what church is. I want to talk about the core of what church is, the essentials of church. I want to talk about who it is we are actually to be as followers of God. Because this is true, that COVID-19 is changing church. In the midst of church changing, I want to make sure that we're changing well, right? That we're not losing some of the core of who we are, who it is that God has called us to be. So that's where we're going to be uh, starting next week. But today, I do want to finish off this series in Romans 8. So if you have your Bibles, open them up uh, to Romans 8. We're going to begin in verse 31. I just want to read this passage. And then we're going to make a few comments and hopefully just discern how today, it's kind of a bold promise, but how today, I think that this passage can change your life. And I say that, I say that because it has actually changed mine. And so that's my hope for you and for me, that we today might be changed by the Spirit of God. So we read this, read this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Some of you just need to say that every single day. Right? That if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus has died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from the love of God? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? That's going to be the theme of this passage that we're taking a look at today. And there's some beautiful promises already packed into this passage, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? God himself has given us right standing. Or who will condemn us? No one. These are incredibly beautiful promises today. And to help us understand a little bit more about this passage, I want to explain, actually, uh, a term that's found in comedy, actually. Because you probably won't you know, realize this or have expected this. But as a pastor, I watch a lot of comedians, okay? The reason is because I want to get better at my job, <laughs> which, <laughs> sure, which sounds funny in some ways. But truthfully, there aren't many professions where people give like long monologues, right, to an audience and where they try to do it in such a way that it's engaging with, you know, timing, pacing and delivery. But comedians are these kind of people. So I actually watch a lot of comedians. I take notes and I try to get better, you know, at public speaking, which is a huge kind of portion of my role. Uh, sometimes, though, this um, 
love of comedians that I have, it actually causes some conflict between Krista and I. Because there's been a, a few times where I've asked Krista to put the kids to bed because I need to work, right? I need to get some things done. And she graciously has done that. Um, but then when she's come into our bedroom and to found out that I've been watching comedians, she does not see this as work very much it's very often. It's not work. It is work, and I do that for you, Bethany. <laughs> I do that for work. you. I do that for you. But I bring all this up because actually there's a term in comedy that I think can help us understand this passage, actually. And that term is called a callback. And here's what it means. It's where a comedian in a set will reference a joke that they made earlier, right? And you probably weren't expecting it when they do that. And what it does is almost two things. That one, if the comedian does it well, it makes the second joke really funny. And it somehow makes the first joke uh, even funnier in retrospect, right? So a really good callback by a comedian can actually make more depth and impact and power in a set. It can make it seem more uh, cohesive as a whole. It just brings a new level of impact and depth uh, to what they're kind of sharing. And in some ways, that's actually what Paul is doing here. It's almost like an ancient callback. Because Paul, in the passage I just read, he actually is bringing up many allusions to very, the, very, the very first sermon that we took a look at together, to the very first passage in Romans 8. He talks about here in this passage of there being no condemnation, right? Of the power of Christ or of God choosing. These are all some of the themes we've already looked at. So it's like Paul is bringing to mind those themes we've seen of how we are freed from condemnation, of how we are filled by the Spirit and chosen by the Father. Paul wants to remind us of those promises. And then Paul almost does the exact same thing of reminding us of what he looked at last week. He does a call back to suffering and difficulty with the next verses. Listen to what he says next. Okay? Uh, he says this, Does it mean, does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. These are some pretty heavy themes, right? But if you remember last week, Paul looked at some of this pretty heavy stuff of suffering, right? And the whole point that I think bears repeating is just this, that Paul never denies the reality that things can be difficult in our world, that things can be difficult in our lives. Like, listen to what he mentions. Like, he's not mincing words here, is he? He says calamity, persecution, hunger, danger, death threats. And I would just like to point out that this list isn't meant to be exhaustive, right? So what we could do is we could faithfully add anything you are facing to this list as well. Right? Whether you're facing loneliness, struggle, financial loss, job loss, whatever it might be, worry. Teaching your kids. And <laughs> teaching your kids. Whatever it is that you're currently bearing that seems hard and difficult and at times even overwhelming, listen to Paul's uh, answer to this. Because this is the question he asks. And this, this question is a bold question. This question is a provocative question. This question shows you that you can ask anything of God. Right? Listen to what he says. Does it mean that God no longer loves us if we face difficulty? That's his question. And I bet that's also a question that some of you have also asked in your life, or maybe even asked in this season, right? That doesn't mean that God no longer loves us because of COVID-19. Doesn't mean that God no longer loves us when we go through financial you know, stress or job loss, or we lose a loved one, or whatever it may be that you are carrying, or just the weight that you have. Paul's asking a really important question. Doesn't mean that he no longer loves us if we face difficulty. I want to listen to the answer of Paul, to the answer of Scripture. He says this. He says this. No. No, no, doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we face difficulty. No, listen to what Paul says, despite all these things, despite all that we go through, despite all the confusion, weariness that we might be carrying in these times, no, despite all these things, Paul says this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Amen? Anyone want to say amen to that? That there is overwhelming victory through Christ who loved us, no matter what it is that we are facing or carrying in this season. And listen to that phrase, overwhelming victory. Right? Like, this isn't a nail-biter. This isn't a close call. 
right? How does Paul describe it? With overwhelming victory. And today I want to discover why. I want to discover why whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you might be carrying, whatever it is that might be in front of you, that today you can still know overwhelming victory. And that's found in quite possibly the most beautiful passage of scripture. Paul says this, here's the reason why today you can have hope, no matter what it is you're facing, despite all these things. Paul says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Some of you need to say amen to that verse, right? That what you've been feeling is that your fears for today and your worries about tomorrow, they've been separating you from God's love, but it is not true, right? What does Paul say? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He continues, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, come on, isn't that some of the most beautiful scripture that has ever been wrote? Right? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There is no power that is possible to do that. That's what Paul is writing. That's what he's teaching us. This is the truth of scripture that I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. So Paul almost does this ancient callback reminding us of what we've learned the past two weeks, of who we are in Christ, and then who we are in suffering. And then what he wants to do is he wants to remind us of something that I want to remind you of today, that we are held by the love of God, that nothing can separate us from God's love, that God's love is holding you and God's love is holding me. And here's why, at least for me, at least for me, this is so, so important. That would say for me, I have a tendency to base my relationship with God on my reactions on my responses, and on how I'm feeling. So to give you an idea of what I mean, it's that like when, when I'm feeling good, when I'm doing good, when I feel like, I don't know, like I'm a good parent, I'm a good spouse, and I'm making really good decisions, and I'm praying, and I'm listening to worship music, and I feel spiritually full, in those seasons and in those moments, I feel close to God. I feel like my relationship with God is good. But then, have you ever experienced this too? The flip side is also true. That when I'm struggling, when I'm just feeling like faith less, right? Like it's just not there. When I'm struggling to even connect with God, when I just, I'm full of sin or whatever else is going on in my life, when I'm in those moments, right? Then I feel disconnected. Then I feel distant. Then I feel like not close to God whatsoever. Then I feel like my relationship with God is bad and is in jeopardy and is sliding, right? That I think that for me, I often base my relationship with God on my own feelings, reactions, and responses. How many other people out there have done the same sort of thing, right? That if you're being good, you feel God loves you. But if you're being bad, then you feel like God hates you or doesn't love you or is distant or whatever it is. I would think that in the West, especially, we have a tendency, okay, follow with me. We have a tendency to base our relationship with God on our own personal reactions and responses. But this is very dangerous. I want to say why, okay? This is really dangerous. Because we have a tendency to forget that God is also acting, that God is also moving, that God actually has a plan and a purpose and is actually doing things in your life and in mine. So I want to say really, really clearly, I don't think I have ever stated as clearly as this, okay? Is that I believe, I believe that your salvation, that your relationship with God, and even your connection with God is based more on what God has done than on what you do, okay? That your salvation, your relationship, your connection with God, that is based more on God than on you. And what I mean by that is that we have such a tendency, we have such a tendency to overemphasize our actions and our responses and to forget the actions and the responses of God. So what I want to try to say clearly, whether I am or not, is just this, okay? That clearly, obviously, us being faithful in our reactions, this does matter. Living with integrity matters. I'm not trying to downplay that. But what I also think that we tend to forget 
is that we tend to forget that God's actions also matter. And that what really matters in all of this is not just how strongly we are holding on to God. Follow with me. What really matters is how strongly God is holding on to us. That's what really matters. That that's what really drives things. It's not just our grip and our grasp on God. It's actually his grip and his grasp on us. Because listen to what Paul teaches. Listen to how he puts it. He says this. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. He says, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And why will nothing ever be able to separate us from God's love? It's not because of us. It's not because of our responses. It's not because of our general amazingness. It's because of God. It's because of his goodness. It's because of his actions. It's because of who he is. The reason that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, follow with me, because our God isn't the kind of God who lets go. Amen? Our God isn't the kind of God who ever lets go, whoever tires, or whoever gives up. The reason that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love isn't because of us. It's because God's love never gives up. It's because his love has a firm grasp on you and on me, and he is not willing to ever, ever, ever let go. What I want us to be based on, on who we are, is the truth of Scripture that while our responses matter, yes, they do, but what matters even more is God's response. You want to know what his response is towards you and towards me? Is to hold us in his love. It's to never, ever, ever let anything separate us from his love. Listen to the words of Scripture. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And then Paul lists just about everything imaginable to make sure that we get it, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Because God's love is just that good. God's love is just that strong. God's love is just that relentless, that he will not give up on you. So that even, even when, I know for me, I feel fickle. I feel far away from him. I feel like I'm not full of faith. Even in those moments, can we just agree with this? God is holding me and he is also holding you, right? That there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So what does this mean for all of us today? What is my main point? My main point is just really simple. It's that we are held by the love of God. That is who we are because of what God has done. That we are people, if you know Jesus, if you're following him, we are people who are held by the love of God, right? And this is true for you and this is true for me. And this is something I think we need. I think we need to be reminded that we are gripped and grasped by him. And that, can we put it this way? That God's love on us, it is firm, it is unyielding, it is relentless, it is fierce and forever. He won't give up, right? We need to know this. That while our responses matter, what matters even more is the response of God. Because this is just true. Christianity has never been based on us. It's based on what God has done for us. And what this passage reminds us of is that what God is doing for you today and what God is doing for me today is he is holding me and holding you in his love. And his grip is firm, his grasp is secure, and he won't let you go. That's what you need to know today. That the love of God is firm in your life. And that he will not let go. And that nothing can separate us from his love today. Today, this matters to me a lot. And honestly, um, I probably should have picked a different day to record this. Um, but every Wednesday we record, I try to write the sermon on the Tuesday and hope, hope that semi goes well. And then we try to record it on the Wednesday. And today, uh, today is the 10-year anniversary of my dad's death. So I'm feeling a bit more emotional today. Because when my dad died, that marked the beginning of the worst season of my life. And today, I'm just, I'm just missing him. I'm missing 10 years that he hasn't been able to see our kids grow up. 
I'm missing his guidance and his wisdom. I'm missing in some ways his approval and pride because, like, I wish you could see what I'm doing now. Oh, he would love to see it. Because my dad would get it. He'd be so proud of you. More than most. So I bring this all up. Because today on all days, I'm really cognizant that there are some things in our world and some things in our lives that separate. Right? Like that death separates. Right? That difficulty can cause rifts. That there can be division and disconnection. I'm really cognizant that in the world there are some really difficult things. But what I want to remind us of, what I want to remind even myself of on this day of all days, is that there is something that is stronger than death. There is something that is stronger than sin. There is something that is stronger with evil, cancer, disease, COVID-19, whatever it is that you are facing, and that something is God's love. Right? Because what does Paul say? Paul says, no, despite all of these things, there is overwhelming victory. And why is there victory? Because nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. This is what I think we need to be reminded of. This is what I need to be reminded of. This is what I hope that you are reminded of. That there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. That who are we? What's my main point? We are people held by the love of God. And then what does this mean then for us practically? What does it mean for us in real life, like today? Well, what I want to invite you to do is just this. I don't want to invite you to do anything with this truth, right? That we are people who are actually held by the love of God. What I want to invite you to do is just this, to let this truth sink into your heart, to let this truth shape who you are. Because I think we need to be grounded on the truth of scripture more than anything. And who are you? You are someone who will never be separated from the love of God. That's what this passage is teaching, that God's love is just that strong and that true and that ongoing and that never, ever ending that our God isn't someone who lets go, right? Our God isn't someone who lets go. So how do we actually have this sink into our hearts today? Well, today, to close, all we want to do is this. I want to challenge you to rest in this truth. And to do that, uh, we're going to have a song that's played. It's going to have some mix of scripture and worship and all of that. But the main point of the song will just be this, to just to sit and to let God's love like sink down into your heart. We're going to sing a new song, and it's actually called Lean Back. I want to read you some of these lyrics. Because these lyrics actually emphasize what we're talking about today. This is a song we'll sing. It says this. You, never, you will never leave. Your love sustaining me. Before I even knew what love was, you brought me here to rest and given me space to breathe. Listen to this. So I'll stay still until it sinks in. I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. That's what we want to invite you to do. To know that right now you're being held by the love of God. To lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Breathe deep and know that he is good. He's a love like no other. Anyone want to say amen to that? That he is good and he is a love like no other. So today, today, what is my main point? That we are people who are held by the love of God. This is how good our God is. And while our responses matter, what matters even more is his response. And that today, whether or not you're feeling like you're holding on to him well, he is holding on to you. So may you just rest in that truth today. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray, would you fill us with your love today? I pray, would we rest secure in your love today? Would we know your presence and your power in our lives today? Thank you, God, that you choose to do this, not because of us and our responses, but because of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy. God, we don't deserve this. But God, we do ask, might we receive this in our hearts? Might we know this truth deeper than ever before, that we are held by your love? Might we sense that? Might we know that? And might we trust in that today? Might we just lean back into your arms? And we pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And.